This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE certified inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and licensed contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks is here. And we're doing the August maintenance checklist today. And I, I, I want to let some of you behind the curtain here at the uh, at, at, at the Fix It 101 studios with uh, Java behind the behind the producer mic, and I'm over here. And but everybody is virtual now, so no one actually comes into the studio anymore. So I'm actually online right now with uh, Jeff and 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 Pam, and they're 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 watching me right now on Skype. The whole thing is funny because it's four older people looking through <laughs> their bifocals trying to get the camera set up properly <clears throat> anyway uh so today we're talking about all the weird things that go on in august and all the stuff you've got to get ready for you can join the conversation with us this morning by calling 877 mpb ring that's 877-672-7464 whatever question you have about any sort of home improvement give us a call or you can send an email fix it 101 at mpbonline.org how are you guys doing this morning i'm much better now that i'm not blurry yeah, yeah. Your picture was—you uh, had it on some sort of beauty mode, where where you were just glowing and radiant, and the rest of everything behind you was blurred and wow, un- unapproachable. I, I didn't even see that. Uh, yeah, they don't have the beauty mode on yours, Jeff. Yeah, right. I use beauty mode every day. Right. Hey, I don't even—I don't even have my camera on. It broke. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's talk real quick. What are you guys working on, Jeff? Are you in your truck? I'm in my truck. I'm in uh, the middle of 128 acres wow. in Madison County. We're building a modern farm style. Um, we're having a meeting right now with the trim carpenters and the homeowner uh, talking about what our cabinets are going to look like. Bricker. And we'll finish up today or tomorrow. And, um, I mean, it's just a beautiful setting out here on top of a hill. Wow. That's fantastic. Okay, so uh, tell us about the houses you've been under, uh, Pam. Well, first I wanted to tell Jeff that I uh, I Dr. Peppered my grill this weekend. Nice. What? Go ahead and tell us about that. What did you say? You Dr. Peppered your grill? Yeah, because Jeff said that that's what he used to clean his grill. So I I was uh, grilling this weekend, and I thought, I'm going to try that. So I picked up a liter of Dr. Pepper and took a um, a garbage can lid and turned it upside down and set my grate down in it and poured that Dr. Pepper over it. Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm never drinking another Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Did it really clean it? It did. It just it fizzed all that crud off of there. It was awesome. Hey, you! If you want to boil the oil out of your driveway, put some Dr Pepper on it. Uh-uh. I know. I'm no. gonna do that. I had um, a couple of uh, months ago. I had the oil changed in my truck, and the guy left the oil can 
underneath the truck and I get home and I thought I was leaking oil. So I, I'm going to put the Dr. Pepper on that. Hey, good oh, idea. Yeah. Wow. It, I can't it, believe that Dr. Pepper it, has it, become it, a thorough cleaning product on the Fix It 101 no, show. Absolutely. And then, hey, the, the, what's left over when you're done cleaning, just drink it. Well, what if you're like a Mountain Dew fan? Does that work? You know, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't comment on that because I've never tried the Mountain Dew. Okay. All right. Somebody go waste a buck on some Mountain Dew and see if it works. All right. So, uh, <laughs> big show today. I had the most colossal day in, 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 in the world ever. Had to move my daughter to, uh, one of the big schools in the state. So I did that. And while I was there, popped a tire on campus. So I had to pull over the side of the road. It was only 138 degrees with no trees, but I did change the tire into the spare. So this this uh, took me a moment and wore me out because, you know, on modern cars, they put little tiny, tiny um, uh, jacks in there, you know, to jack up the car. So it's, it's just that much more difficult. Anyway, no problem. Got it done. Got back up on the road and home and drove it to my driveway and everything was wet. Everything was what? wet. Yep. Driveway, the the whole uh, front yard was absolutely flooded, and uh, I could see a point in my yard where water was flowing out right... Bubbling up. Bubbling oh. up right in front, probably about four feet away from my front door, but away from the slab. So uh, I got a shovel. I started digging, and I found it was our water inlet, the, the thing that feeds our, our main water line into the home. My wife had noticed we had no pressure. So um, I found it. I went to uh, the local box store, got my, my parts, came back, and tried to fix it. But this is the deal. Remember, I had been changing that tire earlier that day, had not eaten enough, was upset, was shaking, was ticked off, and... Did it incorrectly. This, this is for everybody out there who does their own DIY projects. Spent 50 bucks on this plumbing, did it incorrectly, had to go back to the store immediately, buy the exact same $50 of plumbing, and go back and fix it, taking my time. So That's a bad day. I'm so sorry. I know. But just, just, just as a lesson, I thought about this show while I was sitting there cursing at my plumbing. Um <laughs> was this is a great lesson for everybody. Take your time. Calm down. There's no reason to be angry at your plumbing. You can just fix it. So anyway, lesson well, I learned. got mad at my plumbing one time and hit it with a hammer, and that was a really bad idea. You know, too. that doesn't do much uh, good for it either. Let's go ahead and go for the uh, – let's go to the phone. Willie's on the line. She's in Mize. What's going on, Willie? Good morning. Good morning. What What's going on with you? Well, I'm uh, considering – purchasing a whole house generator i live alone and i have a disabled sister that lives with me and uh an extended power outage would mean we would just have to leave home you know until things were resolved right but this is a pretty good purchase and i just need to know what are some things i need to be questions i need to be asking things i need to consider uh with this that's a that's a, a fantastic question willie um i know that uh Jeff has had a lot of experience with generators. Pam, I'm sure you've had some, too. You guys go ahead. What what does she need to look out for if she's wanting to get a whole house generator? Uh, Pam, you want to go first? You want me to take it? 
I want you to go first. I want okay. to share some things okay. once you get um, done. I'm assuming this is an existing home. Yes. Is that it, correct? It is. Okay. It was built okay. in 2008, about 1,700 right. square feet. How much? About 1,700. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, gas, heat? Uh, uh, heat pump, electric, but we have gas logs that in the fireplace and uh, also have... Uh, uh, propane tankless water heater. Okay. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is you being able to run, have enough, because I'm going to recommend a 20 to a 22 kW. That's, that's about the biggest residential air-cooled generator that you can buy and, and keep yourself in about a a ten thousand dollar price point. Once you once you go above a twenty two kW, you get into the water cooled and you get into the much much larger units. So, what 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 I'm going to recommend is whoever you're getting this generator from, make sure that they're aware that you have electric heat, and is this generator going to actually perform as as we think it's going to okay okay and then obviously you're going to run that generator off of propane yes how big is your propane tank well uh i'm probably going to need a separate tank the one i have is not big big because our demand for oh. propane hasn't been great sure. you know so probably yeah. would be looking at a separate tank for the um yeah you, you could get 125 gallon and let them bury it uh, 125 or, two, or, or or 250 and let them bury that tank that you know that way it's not an eyesore and they should bury that tank for you for a couple hundred bucks um you know your local propane supplier okay but my biggest concern for you right now since you do have electric heat is that 20 or 22 kw big enough to to operate that entire house Okay. How, how old is your house, Willie? It was how old is it? built in 2008. Oh, okay. So it's, it's not... pretty well insulated, old. and the, the uh, logs are located centrally in the house, the living area. And I think, you know, if in an emergency, we could just be heated with the logs, not even need to turn on the central unit. Right. You could. I mean, you could heat the house. You don't want to do that indefinitely because no. you've got... You know, with a ventless, probably ventless gas logs. The other thing that I'll add to what Jeff is saying is that just make sure that you've got a certified uh, electrician that hooks that thing up. I, I had a situation this past week on a generator way out in the country. I mean, it was beautiful, just a gorgeous property. When I went over, they had a generator, and when I took that dead front off, which is the panel that covers up the breakers, because that generator had not been hooked up correctly, the wires had burned through the metal. Yikes. It was, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> when I was, I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. that's not, that's yeah, the, not right. Something's not the, right here. And I followed those wires and it went to the generator. So what was happening is when that generator kicked in, those wires were touching the back of that dead front uh, and literally burning right through them. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Electrician. Yeah. And also, go ahead, Jeff. The, yeah. The the P 
people installing that generator, and it, it normally costs about $500, but they should come out once everything is set up and, and <clears throat> excuse me, and do an in-service on that generator before they release it over to you, and that normally runs about 500 bucks. Okay. Um, and that's when they go through, make sure everything is correct, everything's hooked up properly, generator running properly, and then I would also get a service agreement to where they come service my generator uh, once or twice annually. Because think about this, those those generators will will test themselves once a month, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you are depending on this motor to come on at critical times. Right. It's so, like a car sitting in your driveway not doing anything. That's, that's right. So 90% of the time, 95% of the time, that generator is just sitting there looking pretty. But that one, you know, 5% of the time, we want that thing to fire up and perform correctly. That's right. All right. Let's, uh, Willie, I hope that covers it for you. Thank you. Sorry to lose it. Let's go on to uh, Roger in Florence real quick. Roger, are you with us? Hey, loyal listener. Thanks. Yes, sir. Good job. Uh, I'm intrigued by the uh, project that your your participant there is involved in, a large, probably expensive home. And I'm wondering, because I'm talking with a good friend who's going to build a small, modest home out in the country. And I'm trying to encourage her to have ecologically wise decisions in the construction. For example, a hip roof, which has advantages that we've researched. Uh, a hip roof, a yes. Hip roof, a gutter system, which includes or is built so that you can add filters and a uh, collection system to go to a cistern where you collect your rainwater because, or you build a well. Is, well, you that's and especially if you're out in service. out in country in a ways. Uh, having having a, a, a rain collector is not a bad idea. And if you're on a slope, you see, then you can have a garden below that, and you can exist with grocery stores closed and. Now, and plus solar panels, solar panels, plus uh, a collection, uh, not a collection, a system of pipes mounted inside the attic next to the roof through which your hot water source, your cold water that goes to your hot water tank, circulate and collect heat, and then you're heating warm water. Uh, whenever you're heating your water. There are a whole lot of features that you can put in a house that are not expensive unless you wait till you build your nice house and then try to add them later, and then you don't do it because it's too expensive. Right, right, once it's already built. You're not ready. Okay. 
All right, thank you, Roger. We appreciate it. You know, we t- uh, we need to take a uh, a break real quick. We're going to come back and talk to Sean, who's on the road. Sean, don't go anywhere. We'll be right there. Time for us to take a break. When we return, we'll take a look at maintenance checklists for the month of August. This year, our homes have been put through uh, the ringer because there are not many places to go right now. So we're using our homes a lot between keeping the lawn neat, keeping the garage clean, other home fixes. There's plenty to do. Stay tuned. Join the conversation and give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Okay, I said before we went to the break, we're going to talk to Sean. He's on the road. What's going on, Sean? Hey, how you guys doing? Good. What uh, are you working with? Well, we uh, we uh, we had an event at our house, and I broke a uh, glass cooktop in our island. Oh. And it chipped out of the front, and, of course, the crack went all the way through. Right. So we bought a new one, and I thought I had the measurements right, uh, and uh, it's about an inch too small in the front or the back, depending on how you place it. The sides line up fine. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what can I do to fix that hole without replacing the whole top of the island? Oh, oh, there's so many things. Good for you for calling. <laughs> um, no, we're, we're in a great place here because, uh, you know, uh, if it were too big... You know, you'd have to make the hole bigger. In this situation, right. you know, we're just trying to. It's it's more of an aesthetic thing. You're going to be covering, so uh, exactly. y- you know, you're going to need to shift the oven either forward or backward, depending on what's more comfortable for you. Uh, but from there, you're just covering a space. You know, right? Um, and you can you can do that decoratively. Uh, it, what what type of countertop is it? Uh, it's a granite. It's granite. Oh, you can do some yeah. cool stuff. Uh, you know, depending on what the finish is of your of your uh, faucets and things like that, you could come up with a, a piece of metal that is the finish of that and put it down back there. There's a, there's a thought. Uh, guys, ideas. Don't they make spacers for that? They do. I've seen the like plastic spacers for that. Uh, I, I think they'll do them in metal. I would go back to the manufacturer and see. And if it, because I'm thinking about cleaning. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pushing yeah, that. That's one of the Putting my spacer on the back side. Okay. Spacer on the back side. But yeah, this is, you've got a problem that, that is, Sean, you can fix this and you can even have some flair with it if you want to, you know? Okay. But it's just a little spacer piece of metal that you put in there. 
Yeah, we looked at there's, I guess, some silicone edging or something, but it doesn't look very attractive. Right. That's what, yeah, that's what she was talking about with the, I've seen it, I guess it's silicone. I thought it was kind of plasticky looking, but it does look like that. So coming up with a metal solution might be better. Yeah, my wife cut a piece of wood to go underneath it, but it um, it's still got that gap, and she's thinking paint it black to match it. And um, I just didn't know if there was anything in a big box store that I could buy that would kind of go around it. Jeff, any thoughts? <clears throat> I've got to confess, I actually stepped away from the um, – show for just a second and i did not hear the question well we were talking about how you get salamanders to move away from the creek go (laughs) (laughs) well that's easy right okay i I thought you had something different right (laughs) no okay so um uh we've got a stovetop here it's a little smaller than the previous one that was put into this granite countertop and he's got to fill Ah. a space okay is there something specific that fills that space that you know of no. No. Okay. No. Well, good. Uh, then you get to be creative, Sean. Well, thank you guys for your help. <laughs> well, let me. I, I, I want to make a suggestion for I Sean. Don't like wood. Uh, I had a situation, Sean. I have a, a 1955 O'Keefe and Merritt oven stove. Jeff saw it. And what I did, I had a similar situation, but I wanted to reconfigure the top of that thing and drop in a GE Profile uh, range top. And what I ended up doing was getting, um, I ran into a buddy who I'd gone to high school with who worked on cars. And he was able to put together a metal piece that allowed me to drop it in. So you may want to check with, um, you know, uh, a car place that does... Yeah, like bodywork, and see if they've got a piece of metal. Now, it could be a little pricey, but they could actually do, and this was a very sturdy piece that he did, and then I had it chromed, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's absolutely Yeah, I, I, Pam, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think your two options, get a bigger cooktop and have the granite cut. That's very easy. If that's not an option... Uh, there, there are several people that will cut a piece of stainless steel to fill that Ooh, gap. Stainless steel. That's a nice idea. Although I do like the idea of Pam's, you know, 1963 Ford Falcon fender on the back of hers. Sure. That one's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much, Sean. I hope that helps and, uh, uh, have a good time with that. It seems like you'll be able to get creative with it. All right. Uh, Adrian's on the road. Adrian, what's going on? Yeah, hey, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, sure. I kind of have two questions uh, for you. The first one, um, so I've got a number of rentals that my mom owns that I do most of the maintenance on. And we've come into an issue recently where when the county has come out to inspect, they've said that I guess there's a new-ish code where all the ground wires in the junction boxes have to be individually grounded to the ground plate and I'm you know I'm, I'm pretty handy but I'm just kind of wondering if this is something that I uh, can reasonably tackle or if I definitely need to have a contractor come out or like certified electrician come out and do that that's the first question not even going to touch it pros go for it well um, I think I don't understand. Um, isn't he talking about the double ground rod he's talking about 
you know, your your ground rod has to be two of them now, and they have to be six feet apart. Yeah, that's a step in the potential, but I think he's talking about what's inside the panel, and you don't actually have to, the grounds don't have to be individual on the bus bar, but the neutrals do, the white wires do. Right. Is that, is right. that what that's you're talking what I mean. about? Sorry. Yes, ma'am. Sorry about that. Yeah, if you'll cut the power to that and make sure that everything is off, the only problem you may run into whenever you start doing that is if those neutral wires aren't long enough. Then you'll have to pigtail. Okay. And at that point, I would call an electrician. If you're but pigtailing. What you're talking about, you can't have two neutral wires going under one screw in that panel. It's got to, they've okay. all got to be separated. And that's just what we've learned through the years is that if those neutrals are bundled up like that, your lights will flicker or they could overheat. They just, it's not a good connection. But your grounds sure. now, you can cram as many grounds as you want to under a screw. <laughs> Nobody, we don't really care about that. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, yeah, that, that, that does sound correct. That's, yeah, the neutrals, sorry, not the ground. Right. Terminology, it, it's a challenge. So the second question is, um, in another one of these properties, we've got a, we have the property leveled um, for a significant cost by a contractor. And now the ceiling in the main living space, it looks almost as if a single piece of sheetrock is up, come down about a half an inch um, from the rest of the ceiling. And I'm debating on just replacing that single sheet, but I'm wondering if you might think that when I do that, I'm going to find out that the actual joists above the ceiling have shifted, and that's the cause of the drop. Um, is it just is it just a, a drop from the ceiling, or is it like a warping down? It looks like it's just dropping. Mean, the line is really straight, um, and it, it's a solid, I'd say, a, a eight to a quarter inch below the rest of the ceiling. And, and it, at one time it was flush? Yes. Okay. About, I'd say about four months ago it was flush. And no water stains of any sort? Not at all. No, I so think it's the result of you having the foundation worked yeah, on, right? Yeah, I think it I think it moved when they were jacking the house up. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I'm going to try is, of course, the cheapest, quickest, get a screw gun. Put another screw in it? And try to screw it back. If you can, If you could even take half of it out, you could probably work the rest of it out with mud. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Let me make a suggestion here. The hardest thing, and I say this all the time, the hardest thing for me to do is nothing. (laughs) Okay? So when I tell my clients, when you have foundation work done, don't do anything inside for 18 months because that house has got to get used to being different. Okay. So unless it's falling down, let it do what it's going to do. Like I had my foundation done, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and I've got cracks all over the place. Now I'm going to start doing something about it. But if you get up there and try to fix it, and it's not through, Moving. you know, kind of getting used to it, it's kind of like, think about it. Whenever we try to lose weight, we work on it, we work on it, we work on it. But if we don't maintain that, we're going to go right back to where we were. <laughs> Same right. thing with a house. Okay. Whenever you do that, you got to let it get used to its new environment. And then you come that in and sense. do that. So I'd say unless it's falling down, 
just leave it like that for a while. And in about, I don't know, six, seven months, go in there and do what, and do what Jeff says, just put a screw in it and try to get it back up there and mud it out. Right. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. We, we did it about, I want to say last November is when we did the work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're getting clo- close. Okay. Thanks a lot, Adrian. We appreciate it. Thanks, sir. All right. You know, we're going to uh, take another break here real quick. When we come back, we'll be talking to Francis Immobile. We've got a, uh, a deck rotting out underneath. Anyway, it's time for our last or, or time for another break. This hour will return to help you uh, spot leaks and share a few fixes that will keep the plumber from your home. Man, I could use a plumber this weekend. This will help your pockets and help maintain your social distance. Say, stay tuned, really. If you want to join today's show, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law host of In Legal Terms. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHI Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Okay, let's go to Francis in Mobile. You've got an issue with a deck? What's going on, Francis? Oh, yes, I do. Um, I've been in this house for 11 years. This is the third time I've had to replace my wooden deck. What? Um, Three times in 11 years? Everything around my house is very moist. I, I mean, the house is in full sun, but for some reason, anyway, somebody now told me finally that my deck is too close to the ground, and that's why it's holding moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, so my plan is to bring the deck up some, which I have plenty of space to do that because I have steps going down onto the main deck. Okay. So I can lift it up. Um, my question is, I've been looking at this Trek stuff. Yes. The, uh, the um, you know, the fake plastic. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Material. Uh-huh. Um, but I can't find anything that would go underneath it other than regular wooden two-by-sixes, which is what the problem is. Everything rots. There's no point in me putting you know, gold-plated decking boards if the base will rot again. Okay, so uh, guys, you've heard the issue. She's got a deck that keeps rotting because it's close to the ground. She's going to raise it up, is thinking about treks, but is now worried that you know you can put treks on top of the, the, the wood, but that doesn't necessarily help the wood below. Thoughts? What I, I don't is she using are you using pressure treated lumber? Oh, absolutely. And stained and 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 everything else. The, after the second time, I thought I was going to make this thing bomb proof. Well, well no. no pressure treated <laughs> lumber is guaranteed 
um, ground contact for what is it, Pam? Thirty years? Forty years? Not happening. It sounds like with your moisture there, the only thing I could suggest is maybe, and, and Jeff, you check me on this. I'm actually going to help. I ordered all my stuff to help my friend build her deck. We've got it all delivered. Thank you, Jeff, because we went ahead and ordered all the material. Good. Yep. I'm not going up until the end of September, but she's so excited about that pile of lumber in her backyard. <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're not going to go, because she lives on a rock. She's up in Little Rock. So we're not going subsurface. We've I ordered the concrete pads. Pads. Or not, yeah. What are those yeah. things called? You know, to put the. Um, I call them cat blocks. I'm sure there's a proper name, but yeah, I'm it, familiar with them. Yes, that's what I have my other deck on. The tall okay. deck. Okay. Yeah. Um. So so guys, do you have an an option for her for well, the the understructure, yeah. the substructure? This is this is what I think I'm doing. They they have um, they have these cylinders. They're 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 concrete cylinder forms. You dig a hole, you put the cylinder down in there. You fill that you fill that cylinder full of concrete. On top of that cylinder, you can put a a Simpson base on it that actually anchors into the concrete, and then uh-huh. the four sides of that Simpson base will come up either for a four by four, six by six, or an eight by eight. And then it that's how you anchor your timbers to the concrete um pillars. To the concrete cylinder. Uh, am I making sense? Yes, you are. They're called Simpson bases? Well Simpson is a company that's a brand that, uh, Simpson Strong Tie, you can Google it, but they have several applications for what I just described. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a secondary question. Um, what about the stuff that they use for marine decks? Is there such thing as a marine plywood or marine decking, marine posts? I mean, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think you're going to spend a lot of money that, 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 that you don't need to spend. Um, I like the idea of the treks on top. Yeah, but I, I'm not understanding why this thing is rotting out so quick. But it can happen. I don't either. It, but it's the hot side it, of the house, it, and it's it's just okay. it's it's flat ground. Um, we <laughs> thought I thought I did the first right what the, the first right the first time. The second time I'm like, no, this is a fluke. The third time, this is ridiculous and expensive. Well, it may be worth your time and money. Call a couple qualified contractors and let them come put their eyes on it. I um, like I like Jeff's ideas of uh, of going down with the uh, the cylinders. I think that's yeah. a, a great idea. Yeah, I think that sounds wonderful. I think you're on to something. I would bring that deck up well, to, so that you've got some airflow underneath it. And so I'm actually what we're going to do it. I've got it at my house, and we're doing it at my friend's house is that you walk straight out onto that deck. There are no stairs involved. And that yeah. lifts it up to where you can you know, get think, some circulation underneath it. Think about this, too. We build houses on conventional foundations all the time. And if you think about it, you, that's that's what you're doing. A deck is, is kind of a conventional foundation. And, and we're not going in replacing those every four or five years. Right. So... So we're doing something 
we're doing something wrong. Now, it's very, very hard to diagnose over the radio. We can give you general things, but you really need to get a qualified contractor to look at what's going on. Okay, cylinders and Simpson bases and raising the deck. All right. Yes, I have my I have my fall project ready for ready for shopping. <laughs> there you I go. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Bye bye. Thank you, Francis. That's going to be so much fun. You get to work with all different tools with uh, bigger, more powerful stuff, and concrete's really where, heavy. Jason, where where was she from? Uh, Mobile. 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 Okay. Oh, there's plenty of good good contractors in Mobile. You know that's. That's 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 one thing I miss about being in the studio, um, and most people don't under, don't realize this. But when you're inside the studio, we've got a screen, and it shows the person's name, where they're from. Right. And, uh, so with small-minded people like me that can't remember anything, it's hard for me to remember their names and where they're from. Well, there you go. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Let me ask you a quick question um, with yes, Frances, if she's still listening. What if she just, because you made a fabulous point, what if she just came in and built it like she was building a conventional foundation off her house? Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what I would do with the concrete cylinders. And uh, and then it sounds to me like she's got a lot of water running under this deck as well. So, so you know, so I may be, I may do twofold. I may do the concrete cylinders and then I may cut a, swell on the upside of that deck to to divert some water yeah and then if she's got any water coming off a roof she may want to have a gutter up there so she's not getting water right down on that deck that's right that's right all right thank you francis we really appreciate it um i hope that helps i really think they're onto something there with those uh pillars the concrete uh cylinders all right, I've got an email here I want to go to. Hi, uh, I've enjoyed listening to the podcast since buying my first home four months ago. I have a relatively cheap but solid two-burner aluminum grill that I've owned for about two years. Tonight, I took the cover off the grill uh, to grill our dinner and found it covered in mice droppings. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a, it is now this is remember, this is a podcast listener. So it's been raining a lot here in Maryland, just outside of D.C. And I suspect they're looking for someplace dry. My question is twofold. Yeah, my my question is twofold. Uh, What can I do to get rid of the mice? And do I even need to cover the grill at all? Pam's normal suggestion of a cat won't work. My beagle wouldn't stand for it. Okay. Thanks. That beagle's not doing his job. No, yeah, the beagle's <laughs> off duty. Uh, 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 thanks, Dave. Okay, so guys, first of all, there's we have a uh, a grill with I'm assuming one of those plastic covers, you know, that you buy for them, and or canvas maybe, but uh, so critters are under there, and go. Well, well the first thing my mind full of water. The first thing. The first thing that comes to my mind is you're not using your grill enough. Right, you're right, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, hey, if you're a, if you're a true redneck, you, you're firing that grill up every day, whether you cook on it or not. Right. So, well, well he's in so Maryland. The grill, so. the he's grill, in Maryland. <laughs> the, the grill comes on every evening. Right. Okay. <laughs> um. Let's see. What what would make him go there? The droppings. I had the same problem. Oh, yeah. I had the same problem. 
What do you mean, the droppings? I mean, what makes the mice go there? From the food. Oh, the droppings from the, oh, like the oils and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They'll clean your grill. (laughs) Unfortunately. So that's a good point. So is it that you just need to make sure to put your grill back after it's been dipped in Dr. Pepper? Or (laughs) what are we talking about here? How do you keep the mice from getting into your gross grill? I think we throw that out to our listeners because I, I, you know, he can't get a cat and that solved my problem because uh, I had the same thing. I opened my grill up after the winter and it, it, yeah, I could tell somebody had been living in there, which really? just totally grossed me out. And that was when well, I put, threw hey, all my sweats and you know I what? cleaned the H-E-L-L out of that place. Right. <laughs> it was gross. I, I, I've got another idea. All right, go for it. Um, when when we had our cabin in the country and I we, we had a pest guy on, I don't recall his name right now, yeah. but Jason, maybe you do. You remember he suggested because I had mice coming in and he suggested that we use the um he had a name for him, I'm gonna call him the the mouse hotel where they go in that little metal or plastic box. Yeah. Maybe you could set some of those outside, you know. Well, you told um, me he told you to do that. Now tell me if it worked. Oh, absolutely it worked. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So, and I think there was food inside those metal boxes right. or something. So you picked those if up I at remember. the co-op or something? Yeah, I think he sent them to me. I can't remember where I got them. Right. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, you know, something like that would work, I think. Okay. Hey, Jeff, what was the name of that thing that flashes? Oh, in your attic to get rid of the critters? Yeah. Oh, man. Those things are beautiful. Now, oh, I've Jeff, got a whole story on that. Hang on. What you Jeff know? is talking about oh, goes back. Goodness. All right. So what that yeah. is, what that is, is that critters in the attic, uh, a new idea of how to get rid of those were these uh, flashing lights. And I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. So, you know, we did the show. Well. I came home. I came home. Hang on one second. Right. Hey, so they, okay. we did the show. Uh, somebody suggested that you could use this thing, which was just basically kind of a strobe in your attic to scare critters away. Um, you know, we had never heard of it before. And uh, so Jeff got some of these things, installed it in his house, and swears up and down that they absolutely work perfectly Every time, and he has not had any critter problems since he put these lights in his attic. Well, the rest of the story, though, is that it was supposed to be for a client. (laughs) That's right. I took the client's lights um, (laughs) because I thought thought just a good listener felt sorry for me and sent them to me. Right. (laughs) But no, it was my client that paid for them, so I took my client's lights. And put them in your house. (laughs) And, And, hey... By the way, they are not cheap. And promptly bought some new ones for a client. Uh, yes, I did. Right. <laughs> all right. Well. So you right. could try putting a strobe light in your grill. Ooh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah, that. Well, I, if you get the price on it, you won't do it. I <laughs> think the uh, the original top of the hour uh, remedy for cleaning your grill, which is to use Dr. Pepper, apparently, is the way to get the rats out <laughs> of your grill. So there's that. All right. Uh, another one here. And this one, I remember this from when I was a kid all the time. Good material 
for screened-in porch. Now, listen to this, guys. Uh, can you recommend what is the good material for the screen, for your screened-in porch? He said, we have fiberglass, and it's tearing apart. We need to replace it. I remember those fiberglass uh uh, screens like on screen doors or screened in porches and the fiberglass after a while after it's gotten so much sun and water you can just poke your finger right through it you know no big deal there's nothing to it but he asks uh should we use copper or bronze or steel or fiberglass or what, what do you use for a good screen material and they sell several of them uh have you guys ever used different screen materials yes i have so what, what do you like jeff I like fiberglass. Fiberglass is the most forgiving material you can use for your screen enclosure. Um, But look, it's just like anything else. Everything has a shelf life. Right. The fiberglass screen material is very inexpensive, very user-friendly. Right. If you want to go out there on a limb, I've used copper. It's extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very durable, and it is not user friendly. <laughs> you can look at it, and it's going to crinkle on you. It's going to dent very, very easily. So, okay. Does so, it patina? Does the copper uh, mesh patina? Um, you know what, Pam? That's a good question That'd because be normally, once I finish a job, we don't go back. You know, uh, uh, so, um, and I don't know. I can't answer that. That would, um, be, that would be kind of pretty if it did patina. Or I guess you could uh, poly it or something like that and keep it from patinaing. I think it's got a coating. I do not think it patinas, um, but I, I just, I can't answer that. So you it, still recommend the fiberglass, the stuff that, uh, how many years, how many years do you think you can get from fiberglass screening that goes on like screen windows? Gosh! Oh, several years. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, ten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, so, now, the, the, you know, everything, everything has a, a a purpose in life. Here, if the sun is shining on that all the time, the UV in in the sun is very damaging on paint and surfaces and screens and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it's going to eat at it. I can tell you that I've replaced several screens at the home and you can buy the fiberglass rolled fiberglass screening material. And then you, you buy this little tool that has rollers on both ends and the tools, not more than, I don't know, $2 and 50 cents. And, and, uh, there's a little kind of a round rubber tube that goes into a track, and you just put the screen into the track, then put the tube down over the track, and use the little roller to kind of really mash it in there, and the screen is in there. You can put a brand-new screen in the screen that you have. If you have a screen at home that's gotten a hole in it, something like that, it's not expensive. The tool's not expensive. The fiberglass uh, 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 screen is not expensive. This is definitely a DIY thing you can do is rescreen just about anything around your home if it's got a screen on it currently that's broken. Hey Jason, right. and there's a I found a website here called Front Porch Ideas mm-hmm. and it gives five different screen options and it gives you all the information on each one. Oh, so cool. and it talks about I think that Jeff made an excellent uh observation. 
which way is it facing? If you're facing west and you're going to get a hard west sun in the mm. afternoon, you may want to go with something other than the fiberglass. Right. So it really just depends on the orientation of the house. Do you have gutters? How much wind are you going to get there? But this particular website here talks about all of those things, like what you can use. Like somebody in Mobile may not use the same product that right. we have here in Mississippi because they've got to deal with salt water. So what's well, the we name? don't have that here in, in What's Jackson. the name of this site again, Pam? It was called Front Porch Ideas. Front Porch Ideas. Is that a dot .com? Let's see. Is it a dot .com? Uh, we'll see. Frontporchideas.com. There we go. Okay. <laughs> So they got their official plug today. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and finish up with another email. Let's do this, okay? And I'm going to go with, hello, thank you for your informative program. Hang on, Java, is this ours? <laughs> okay. My husband and I bought a refurbished GE dryer approximately three years ago. It has always taken an excessive amount of time to dry a load of laundry, but now when I put in a, a load to dry... But automatic sensor uh, seems to be out, and the load just keeps tumbling and tumbling with heat long after it's dry. Yikes. I guess my question is, is it worth having someone repair it, or should we just go ahead and replace it? Thank you so much for your time. This is interesting. First of all, uh, those we've learned on the show that, that those type of, uh, like a washer and dryer, only have about 7 to 10 years life in them at all. Um, according to the way they're made now. Uh, so if you're into that 10th year or something like that, it might be worth doing. However, you said it's a, a GE dryer. Um, and GE is, a, uh, well, it depends on which the dryer is, but if it's one of the kind of lower-end models, those are really easy to fix and really cheap to run and everything else. But if you if it's got a lot of electronics on it and the board's gone out, it's it's a big old boat anchor. So uh, any thoughts say, on that? You better check your venting. You better check that vent. <laughs> Make sure that it's clean. Well, the thing is, yeah. if it's clogged up, you will not dry anything and you'll catch your house on fire. Well, and something seemed really wrong with that to me because shouldn't a thermostat turn that thing off once it gets so hot for so long? You know, I don't I don't know. Now, this yeah, is where we in it, Timmy. We need Timmy. Right. <laughs> what were you saying, Jeff? Jeff, what were you saying? Yes, sir. No, I, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, the thermostat should turn that dryer off. Um, so, and I know that you've done a, a ton of like house fire kind of things, and and dryers are are uh, the evil enemy of house fires. So. I, I was in. Uh, I had an appointment in Eastover yesterday. We the fellow's house caught on fire about fifteen years ago, and take take one guess. What caused the fire? The dryer vent. There you go. There you go. All right, folks, that's it. Um, Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Mr. Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Liz Gill. For Pam Pibus, Jeff Sammons, I am Jason Klein. And stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech with Jay White. And join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101 only on MPB Think Radio.